As you know, we do not have any advertisements here on our podcast. Often I get asked, well, how can I give back, John? How can I help? I've got two simple asks for you. First, share the podcast with a friend, someone that you think can benefit from the information. And secondly, if you haven't already, please join the Financial Advisor Success Syndicate, something I am super proud of and would love your participation and to have you join and add value to a community with like-minded advisors. So to join, go to joinfass.com. Look forward to seeing you in there. Welcome to the Quantum Growth Podcast, empowering financial advisors to build practices for the 21st century by providing insights and interviews on leadership, strategy, and practice management. Now here is your host, Barron's Hall of Fame advisor, Jonathan Cutton. Welcome to another episode of Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors. It is your host, John Cutton, back with what I believe to be maybe our most popular guest of all time. Top three, for sure. Top top 10? Top three. I'm going to go top three. Uh, so I've got Ray Kelly with me today, uh, who, as you all know, uh, is a leadership guru, senior vice president at Think to Perform. And uh, really excited to have Ray with us uh, here again today. So, Ray, thanks for being with us. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, how about a quick hello to our audience? I, I, hello to the audience. I, I feel like uh, either Steve Martin or Alec Baldwin on Saturday Night Live, most common guest on the show. I don't know if I'm popular, but you guys keep on asking me back. I guess that's a good sign. Yes, you keep saying yes. So it's amazing. <laughs> Um, no, in, in all seriousness, uh, we get amazing feedback uh, on all of your uh, all your podcasts, and as you know, everything you do uh, inside of KWM, and uh, very grateful for everything that you do for me uh, and the team uh, that you help me support. So, uh, we're going to do a quick hit today on something that I know Ray's been talking a lot about that I thought and Ray thought would be really interesting uh, to our listeners. Uh, and it's how to get full engagement from your team. Uh, and I know, Ray, you've been talking a lot about how to do that. And it's something that we're always working on inside of our practice is how do we get that level of engagement, uh, you know, as a refresher to our listeners, um, you know, our biggest investment, I'll call it, as a financial advisor is generally our payroll, right? The human capital uh, that ultimately helps us all do what it is we do for a living and serve our clients. And the more engaged they are, the more impactful we are for our clients. And therefore, uh, it should come full circle and actually help your business grow. And I know you wanted to talk a little bit how that ties in with what the seven motivations of leaders uh, actually are. So uh, I'm going to kind of hand it off to you, Ray. And uh, I know you generally, like me, are not very short of words. So maybe you can talk a little bit about what you had in mind for today. Yeah, I'd be happy to. You know, there was a recent survey. 70 psychologists were asked the question, what is the most essential thing for a supervisor to know about their employees? And two-thirds of the people said, you know, what motivates the people? You have to understand what motivates the people. <clears throat> and a good friend of mine, Don McPherson used to run a company, sold it uh, six, seven years ago to Aon called Modern Survey. It's one of these companies that specializes in uh, uh, 
employee engagement. And they, one of the things they do for all of their clients, they had 1,200 different companies, both profit, nonprofit organizations, companies across the world were part of his, his business before he sold it. And every year they'd survey the, the people that work for those organizations and companies. And I'm sure most of the listeners have participated in one of those surveys where they ask about your boss. Do you like your boss, your benefits, your compensation, all that stuff. But one of the questions they ask on the survey every year is how engaged are you work? How much effort do you give? And John, the, the, what percentage of the people answer the question, I give it my all. Okay, these are people self-assessing so for the home audience, playing at home, take a guess, what percentage of the people out of 100%, what percent of them say, I give it my all? I hate when you ask me these questions because I don't want to be that far off. I'm going to say what percentage of people give it their all. It's a random survey, correct? You don't know yep. who it is. It's anonymous, random. I'm going to say it's sub 25%. I'm going to say 18%. Great guess. It's 16%. And oh, by the way, that was at a 10-year high, okay? Wow. 16% of the people in 2015 said, I give it my all. Okay. So when you think about that, that's about what one in seven, one in eight, somewhere in that range, people in your organization are truly giving it their all. Then also the survey asks, what percentage of the people say they give the minimum necessary to get by? Okay. And again, it's their assessment. It may be to keep their job, get a bonus at a certain level. What percentage of the people say, I give the bare minimum necessary to get by? I am going to say 53%. <laughs> it's 22%. And that was an all-time low. Okay. Mm -hmm. Usually I'd seen as high as 30%. Three in 10 people in our organization give as little as possible necessary to get by. Now for the people playing at home, there were four different answers. They have given it my all, given a bare minimum. Then they have what they have moderately engaged and under-engaged. So 16, 28, 35, and 22. So 55% of the people are way under-engaged, okay? And for the analytics, it adds up to 101. It's a rounding error. The leadership question I ask all of my clients, I'll ask the group at home this too. You literally have 84% of the people admitting to the fact they don't give it their all at work. They just don't. So the leadership question is, how do you get those people who are not giving their all to give it their all. Because I would argue tremendous difference in terms of output, results, but not necessarily a tremendous difference in terms of the amount of work the leader has to do. They just have to do different work, okay? And how you do that is you have to give them a purpose worthy of their best efforts, a purpose worthy of their best efforts. So how do you do that? Why don't you check in with them? What is it that they really, really value? And what is a purpose that motivates them? What is something that's connecting? So this is back to the foundation for growth is retention, helping people get what they want for themselves. So I'm going to give you a little exercise that I picked up from John Maxwell. I, years ago, I read one of his books. I got it for Christmas. Uh, it's called Leader's Greatest Return. Mm -hmm. And for all of the listeners at home, I'm kind of odd. And maybe a few of you are odd like me. I often open up these, get these books and I just open it up and I start reading, okay? Not necessarily at the front, almost never at the front. In this book, for whatever reason, I went to chapter four and probably I opened it because I looked at the table of contacts and chapter four says motivating leaders. 
In the first sentence of the chapter, I'll read it to you. One of the questions leaders ask me the most is, how can I motivate my people? I get asked that question every week. Okay, and I had just been asked that question from one of my clients. It's something to the effect, hey, Ray, do you ever lead someone who doesn't have any motivations? And I was like, yeah, I have. They're really, really hard to lead. And this is the sentence that pops the first sentence of the book I'm reading. I go, there's a reason why I'm reading this. Okay. And one of the things in this chapter, he talks about a study that was done by um, the Harlows, 1940s, on primates. Okay. They're working on seeing if they could figure out these puzzles and stuff like that. And one of the things, and this is written in Daniel Pink's book called Drive. And Pink des describes what they discovered was there are, were believed there used to be two. Um, motivations that people had. The first motivation was the biological needs, okay, food, uh, water, sex, biological. The second motivation, the ex, ex, external rewards, you know, money, okay, recognition, fame, whatever it is. They're, these were the things that were motivated people. But with these primates, they gave them these puzzles. And then what they found out, these these monkeys were sitting there doing these things and they were highly motivated just by just doing work, figuring out the puzzle. They go, this is really interesting. Hmm. A third motivation had been added to the equation in the late forties. And what Pink said was this, John, this should have changed the world, but did not. Okay. And the reason it did not change the world was because people had been so set in their ways that, hey, the way I motivate my people is bigger paycheck, opportunity, promotion. This is what gets everyone to go for the finish line and run harder and faster. And all of a sudden, this one contrary to all of their beliefs. And not too long afterwards, and this was actually probably 40, 50 years later, um, Edward Desi did an experiment. And in his experiment, he found that not only did money as extrinsic awards not help, actually may hurt you long-term. Mm. They hurt you. All of a sudden, the thing that used to work, I was talking to my neighbor, you'll appreciate this. Uh, yesterday was the national, national day out, so I got to go talk to my neighbors. Okay. It's actually the national day out? <laughs> yeah, national day out. The day I missed talk, that. You missed it. You were on vacation. <clears throat> um, talking to my neighbor and his, his dog was with him and his dog's about the same age as my dog they were puppies together okay and now they're both three and four years old okay I just saw my door open my puppy just walked in um, and he was talking about how he was training his dog by giving it a treat every time it went out to the bathroom and came back in and they'd give it a treat out to the yard, the, the dog would ring the bell on the door. They let him out and go to the bathroom. But now the dog has learned it so well, it rings the bell, goes outside for one minute, doesn't even leave the porch, and then comes back in and asks for its treat. And he goes, I'm not giving him a treat. He's not doing his duty. And he's telling me all this stuff. And I'm laughing. And it's back to the same thing Desi found. That's what a lot of people start doing with money. Okay. And other extrinsic awards, they're doing it for some other reasons. Bottom line is what Maxwell found is there's seven different motivations for leaders. And we're going to show this to the group on the screen here.
but I'm going to go through these seven motivations for leaders. And I'm going to ask you to do an experiment because this is exactly what I would do if I were leading my, my team, my organization, is I would describe these seven motivations to them. And I say, what I'd like you to do is give yourself a score of one to five on each of these, one being low, five being high. You could be five in all seven of these motivations, or you could be one in all seven. For the most part, you're going to be different numbers. And what you're trying to determine is what is the motivation that really, really gets you going. Okay. And as a leader, if you learn to pull that lever with the person, okay, more often you will actually find that they will actually go do the things you need them to do, get them more fully engaged. And if you find out which lever doesn't work for them, because what I'm going to ask people to do is give a score of one to five on each of the seven. Okay, and then pick your top two and be willing to share your top two motivations and your bottom one, the one that really doesn't work for you. And it's a safety tip for everyone as a leader, listen for that bottom one. Okay, that bottom one, you're gonna go, if I, let's just say money is a motivation for you as the leader and they go, money really doesn't motivate me at all. And you keep on throwing dollars at them, they shrug their shoulders. So let me go through these seven with you, John, and with the audience. I think you'll find it fascinating. And this is, again, John Maxwell saying, in my 50 years in leadership, there's not three, there's, there's seven of them. There's seven motivations. Okay, the first one is purpose. Okay, leaders want to do what they're created to do, purpose. Okay, this is one of my high ones for everyone, purpose. Number two, autonomy. Leaders want the freedom to control their lives. Autonomy. A lot of the listeners on this call have probably autonomy. They like running their own business. They like to be in control. Number three, relationships. Leaders want to do things with other people, for other people. It's about the people. Relationships is the key motivator. Number four, progress. Leaders want to experience personal and professional growth. They want to continue to grow, move forward. Number five, mastery. Leaders want to excel at their work, similar to number four, but this is all about excelling. I can tell you as a young person, this was the most important one for me, mastery. I wanted to be the best, okay? Number six, recognition. Leaders want others to appreciate what they do. Recognition, leaders want others to appreciate what they do. Finally, money. Leaders want to be financially secure. Again. As you're playing at home, we're going to put this up on the screen. Number one, purpose. Two, autonomy, relationships, progress, mastery, recognition, and money. Give yourself a score one to five on each. Take a minute to do that. One being low, five being high. You don't have to rank them yet. Just give yourself a score. Is this important to me? Not so much. Really important to me. And once you've finished, Pick your top two. And John, I'm going to ask you what your top two are and what your bottom one is. I'll share you my top two and my bottom one as well. Okay. So, John, what do you what do you list as your top two? I'm thinking through it, Ray. Purpose is definitely one of them. So that's definitely one. It's interesting. They change over time. Yes, uh, they do. One of the things that I'm sure uh, you just confirm. Um, and I would say 
probably progress. I think purpose and progress would probably be my top two. Definitely fives for sure. Let's talk about <clears throat> that first one. Tell me about purpose. Why is that so important to you? Um, you know what? One of the things that I really want to focus on is ultimately my, I mean, it, it's my purpose. Like you've helped me kind of think about my calling, part of my purpose, part of my calling uh, at this point in my life is helping other people get what they want for themselves. So for me to be able to, if I had to do work that didn't allow me to do that, I don't think I would be very engaged if my job was something different and I didn't get a chance to lead other people, right? Because I feel like that's a big part of my purpose. Good. And then to talk about, <clears throat> about progress. Um, I wake up every morning wanting to get better. I always have. It's kind of, you know that, right? And my DNA is I want to win and I want to get better and I want to grow. And I feel like if you're not constantly learning um, and improving that you're, you know, my personal opinion is that you're just standing still uh, and I don't do well standing still. So I feel like those two things actually help me be happy. Yeah. And I'm similar in purpose with almost the exact same definition for this I'm at that point in my life, it's meaningful work is so important to me. Still mastery is the top two. One of the things that Mark Maxwell talked about is he says he gives himself a four or five in every single one of these. He said, I'm a, I'm a leader's dream. You can pull any lever. I, I was just saying all of these things are actually important to me. So it was hard as you were going through it. I was like, I, I want to say them all in some way. So that's kind of interesting. It is. It's, it's, you have a lot of levers people can pull and it's going to get you to run. Yep. Um, that person uh, was probably a couple of years ago was talking about this person who didn't have any levers. Okay. They scored low on all of these things. Those are the hardest people to lead. It doesn't yep. matter. It's money's not recognition's not anywhere. Autonomy. They don't care about that. Relationships. Hmm, all these different things. Like you got Eeyore. Okay, you're leading Eeyore, that's what I said. Now, the funny thing about it, that this uh, client, this person recently least recently left their firm and they'd celebrate it because Eeyore finally left. Right. It was it was really hard to lead people like this. What's your what's your low one? You know, so what's interesting for me is probably recognition. Okay. I get, I, and it might be uh, respectfully, I get a, I get a good amount of it. It doesn't, doesn't work it. like it used to. Yeah, it used to, but at this point, um, I'm good. I don't necessarily, uh, I don't need to be recognized for um, awards and things like that. I do like, I do, I do appreciate gratitude, um, but I think that's different than recognition. One of the surprising ones that, that you may not guess about me is autonomy is not that important to me. I, I've always been part of a team. Mm -hmm. Okay. So having controlling my own destiny has never been that important to me. Okay. So it's always been a low one to your point. Certain things can go up and down. Money used to be one of my top ones. Now that I have money less so. Okay. Right. And that's one of the things to be aware of. These aren't written in stone forever. So as a leader, you're checking in on a regular basis with your people. Because I've literally, I had a, a client where I think it was 12 out of 16 people, their lowest one was money. 
Yeah. Ray, what, you know, one of the things I want to just say to our audience, um, to our listeners is if you, you know, again, learn from you, uh, Ray and from, uh, from Doug, play the freeze game, right. For a minute with yourself and just think about as a leader, are you actually aware of the people that you lead and what their motivations are. And I could just say, I play the free ga freeze game with myself. And I'm pretty critical of myself. I'm like, man, I'm missing it with these people because sometimes you know, when you're not connecting with one of your followers and where I find this hardest to do, just again, to be kind of um, you know a little self-aware and a little, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Open or not open? What's the word I'm looking for? Ray, do you know the word I'm looking for? I'm not following. Put yeah, the I'm picking word. it up either. You know what it is? There's the sun's in my eyes. I don't know. I can see that on the screen. I can that? see it. And it's it's bugging me out a little. I'm going to get up in a minute, shut my camera off, and uh, pull my blinds. But um, um, I can't think of the word that I was trying to think of. But uh, um, self-effacing isn't the word. I wish I could think of it. But anyway, um, it's going to come to me eventually. Um, when I think about the people that I lead directly that are my go-tos that I've got a long relationship with, I went deep enough with those people so that I actually understand what it is, which of these seven uh, it is. And I can think about different people. I'm like, nope, I know what motivates her. Or I know what motivates him. And to your point, exactly what strings to pull as the organization's grown. I know, I know many of my, folks, my partners, my employees, the advisors and you know staff on the team less because you just can't go as deep with so many people. And I'm sometimes baffled, right, by why they're not being motivated by the systems and processes that we put into the ecosystem. But to your point, which is making me really think about this, is many of them are valuing things that are not necessarily um probably valued inside of the ecosystem enough. And my current leaders might not be going uh, as deep as maybe I did with them, right? Back in the day, which again is my fault because it's always the leader's fault um, to actually figure out which are the pieces. And I would just throw you a question, Ray. Um, you know, to me, I think it might be possible that it changed. See, when I, when I grew up in the business, it was really kind of like for everybody, a new financial advisor just seemed like, you were just kind of worried about how you make money, right? How do you make money? How do you pay your bills? How do you buy a house and kind of go through the process? Um, I think as we get into leading other generations, um, their motivations are not the, not the same as they might've been 20 or 30 years ago. Definitely generational, you'll see differences. This this current generation, the, the Gen Zers is very different, okay? At the same time, within the generations, don't assume everyone expects the same thing. There was a sales leader that I was um, uh, very envious of and, and very successful while I was a young sales leader. And he told a story at a meeting once where he got humbled, okay, because he thought everyone wanted the same thing that he wanted. Back to things that resonated with you and I, John, when we were young, the heart of the social worker, the mind of the capitalist. Kind of you put money and purpose together. Okay, that's probably one of the things that resonated with you and I. Okay, and that was the same thing with this guy. And he 
he hit that money thing harder and harder and harder. And this was a 45, 50 year old woman in his group. He was a young male leader and she was not resonating with his, his shtick. Mm -hmm. Okay. And she went to the boss of the organization and said, I need a change. I can't stand this guy. Okay. And she, he was offended. How can everyone else is having great success under me? And she said, she's the problem, not me. And they made the switch and they put her in a, another person's group. And he watched her excel, become one of the top advisors in the office and then in the country. And he realized because the leader learned what motivated her. Okay. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about what he was talking about. And he was like, huh. So back to span of control, John, as your organization grows, your organization is 150 plus now, you can't keep up with all of those things. So you must develop leaders who go do that work, who go find out what makes people tag. I just did this recently with um, part of your organization. Okay. And I had everyone share their top two and bottom one. And then I said, if you're the leader, okay, if you're Dave, what did you learn about leading Gaitha? And all of a sudden the people were like, she, she, she likes the challenge, the project, all these different things. You just give her stuff. That's what motivates her. It's not about money. It's not about recognition. She just likes to be working on important stuff. And, and I was like, holy smokes, you see how that's different from you and you. And I think this is real important, folks. I, this, is, this is the values card exercise on steroids. What is the lever that truly motivates them? The values exercise is very good in terms of helping them live in alignment with their ideal self more often. But this is what motivates me. And I can tell you, folks, when you get to understand this about all your people, I would probably check in with them at least every two years because it does change. But right. what the heck, do it once a year. I haven't done it once a year, but I've started doing it on a regular basis with my clients. Check in. It's interesting, interesting. And pay attention, especially to that bottom one. Yeah. You're like, as you're sharing it, Ray, I've got like, you know, as usual, a half dozen thoughts. I'll share two or three that I could remember. <laughs> Forget a couple. One is um, I can think of a recent relevant example of an advisor on our team that talking to this person's leader and the leader's going, I don't understand. They're doubling their income. They're doing great. It seems like everything's amazing. And this advisor doesn't seem happy, right? And we're we're solving one of the motivations that happens to be important to that leader. But I bet you there's a disconnect and it's not important to that follower, right? In this example, and there's this confusion. And I think this ultimately leads to it. So that was one thing going through my mind. Um, the second thing going through my mind is just tying in some of the things that I've learned from you, Ray, and some of the things that are now prevalent inside of my organization. I want our listeners to kind of understand a little bit, right? We talk about, you know, systems and processes, right? Not taking discretion at the operating level, all part of our culture, um, due to a lot of your input and coaching, Ray, um, you know, when you actually use Woody Woofy and you have one-on-ones and you go through the values exercise and the calling card exercise, those are the systems or the tactics that you use in order to actually be able to recognize what the seven motivations of leadership are so that you can then be interested intraperspective uh, and ultimately understand when things aren't 
the way they should be, right? Play the freeze game like I'm kind of doing right now. Um, and then the third piece is we talk a ton about who, not how. And I just had an interesting moment because Ray just shared something that I thought was pretty cool, right? And I want I don't want it to be wasted on our listeners, uh, where Ray said, here's what I've been working with Dave and Gaitha, who were two teammates inside of my wealth management firm. Um, I didn't even know Ray was talking to my people about this. I was on vacation last week, and he's probably been talking about it for a month. Um, and raised by a leadership who, right? So it's great that this stuff is happening inside of my organization. And quite frankly, I think this is the first time I've seen it presented this way. I know Ray created this cool slide uh, that he was very proud of. If you all notice, he has eight hands. I pointed out a minute ago <laughs> uh, and seven motivations, just saying. Um, but uh, but I just wanted to tie that in as well, right? So as you know, for our listeners and those that, um, I know some of the folks who listen to our podcast religiously, who send us notes and thank yous, et cetera. And I know where they are in their business. If you just kind of think through those three pieces, right? To me, it kind of just all came together as to why, why having a system and a process makes sense that you have to follow, why the who, not how concept makes sense, which we talk about an awful lot, right? And then ultimately, if you are the leader yourself or you are a leader of other leaders inside of your organization, um, just how important it is to ultimately um, just kind of think through where things are not connecting in the organization, right? Goes back to it's the leader, it's the leader, it's always the leader. If your people aren't engaged, right? If you're not getting that full engagement to bring it full circle, um, is it because you know you are not necessarily understanding which of these seven motivations are important to them and you're imposing your own will on what you think is important um, because it happens to be one of your top two doesn't necessarily mean it's the top two of those that you lead. Yeah, and I would tell you all as a safety tip for listeners, um, I've done this exercise enough times with people Sometimes they will say their bottom one is the politically correct bottom one. Okay, money, uh, recognition. They don't want recognition. One of my clients, has been my clients for several years, she tells me recognition is not that important to her. In my notes and big letters, recognition is one of the most important things. She, she downplays mm. it because she wants it so much. Right. And she talks about other people getting recognition over her and all you never think, like, holy smokes, it is a need of hers big time. So watch their actions speak louder than their words. It's use the self-assessment. Oh, I got a good one there too. Yes, recent relevant, not about the money. It's not about the money. It's not about the money. And with a particular follower, it's only about the money. So Exactly. So, so be so aware me, of that. So let me ask you this. Um, and then I, I know we need to wrap and maybe we'll have you on again soon, right? Because I love these conversations. So um off the cuff, how do you how do you deal with that? What's your experience? I'm sure different ways that you can deal with it. So if you have a follower who it's all about the recognition, you know it's all about the recognition. He or she is going, I don't care about recognition. Do you do you tell them? Like, do you be their truth teller, or do you kind of let it roll and just make sure that you give them recognition and act as if you don't know that, that you know the truth? Yeah, the way, the way I answer that is this, John, the essence of effectiveness, whether you're effective with this person or not, is you have to use judgment. Some people can handle the truth, okay, where you can say, hey, can I give you some feedback? You say this is not so important to you, but let me tell you about the three times 
This Could Tom Cruise hurt. handle the truth, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> it was Tom Cruise, right? I was just recently watching that movie. Yes. He can't handle yes. the truth. I yes. love that scene. Yes. Okay. And someone just told me that was impromptu Jack Nicholson. I don't believe it. I, that was intense. Oh, it was Jack Nicholson. Um, yes. Yeah, Jack Nicholson's. Did he say Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise was the attorney who was grilling him. Right. But Nicholson said it to Cruise, right? Yes, yes, yes. You yes. got it. Okay. But, but I actually believe in most instances, when I'm a coach, I hold up the mirror. After I have enough data points, I can say, this is what I'm observing. You're saying this, you're living this, which is the real you. And let them kind of figure it out and go, huh. Because I've also had a, another person I'm coaching who uh, money is one of his top motivators. Hates it about himself. Mm. Hates it about himself trying to change it okay trying to change it but he, he when pressure comes he reverts back to his old self it's all about money it's 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 built into his his uh triple e's education experience environment his dna okay but it's back to he said he wanted to change it so i can point it out to him hey hey you're doing a lot better job on purpose you're doing a lot better job on mastery or progress okay focus on those things money will come if you remember that chart i've shown you how does society view growth based on dollars and titles, recognition and money, or do they view it on competencies and responsibilities? And you think about progress, mastery, purpose. This is the chart difference. One leads to the other, and the other one is kind of the effect of the other one. I, this is a whole nother class. Maybe next time we'll discuss that one. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, I think we can do another one on that. Yeah, it all it all ultimately um, it just ties together, and it's uh, you know again we keep just throwing things out. You talk about simple, complex, simple, right? It becomes uh, really simple to you and I because we've been doing it for you've been doing it longer than I have. But I, I kind of as I asked you that question a minute ago, uh, I knew you were going to come back and tell me it's all about judgment and uh, and et cetera. So I. I as I said, I'm like, oh, I know, I know the answer. Uh, Podcasts, people should never ask a question like an attorney. Never ask a question unless you already know the answer. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, so, Ray, uh, for our listeners, I think we're we're going to wrap here. But anything that I should have asked you uh, that I didn't, and then um, I think by now our listeners know where to find you. But maybe you can just uh, kind of reshare, uh, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how they would go about doing that and, uh, and take it, take it home. Yeah. I just take it home with this back to, to get full engagement from your people. Again, humongous difference in terms of output, humongous difference in terms of what they do, deliver actions, behaviors, results, small difference in terms of what the leader does different. Okay. Just that little thing about the understanding that element of this this isn't that hard but tremendous difference in terms of output and if you want to get a hold of me the best place to do is probably through my email r kelly at think to perform and it's think to the number two perform.com just send me a note be happy to talk to you love it well ray thanks uh as always for the pearls of wisdom uh, and to our listeners, don't forget as well, Ray's got a whole channel, right, on the Financial Advisor Success Syndicate. So if you enjoyed today's uh, podcast and video, if you're listening to it on video, uh, for those that um, qualify, right, to be part of the Financial Advisor Success Syndicate, what is it, Ray? It's a no what rule? No jerks. No, no, no jerks. Out. As long as you are a nice person and you have an abundance mindset and you're a learner, 
uh, and not a knower, um, you know, there's an opportunity to apply uh, and ultimately be part of the Financial Advisor Success Syndicate, where you'll hear more pearls of wisdom just for that community uh, from folks like Ray and some of our other founding members uh, inside of the syndicate as well. So with that being said, as always, Ray, thanks for being a guest, Pearls of Wisdom. And to our listeners, if you yourself or anyone you know could be a good, interesting guest for our show, uh, don't keep a secret, shoot us a note, uh, let us know, and we'll see if we can get you or that special person on. So make it a great day. And thanks again for listening. As you know, we do not have any advertisements here on our podcast. Often I get asked, well, how can I give back, John? How can I help? I've got two simple asks for you. First, share the podcast with a friend, someone that you think can benefit from the information. And secondly, if you haven't already, please join the Financial Advisor Success Syndicate, something I am super proud of and would love your participation and to have you join and add value to a community with like-minded advisors. So to join, go to joinfass.com. Look forward to seeing you in there. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find the episode show notes and subscribe for updates by visiting cuttonconsultinggroup.com forward slash podcast. Make sure to subscribe and download the episodes on your favorite podcast app, and we'll see you next week.